All right, so welcome to the Connecting the Dots segment, which is a new segment that I started, but I also think it's a, a pretty important one, too, to kind of help everyone figure out what's going on in the world and at least give, you know, my perspective, but also, you know, put together a bunch of different facts along with rumors that can kind of make something, you know, or, you know, bring something together that we haven't really noticed before. Now, we literally in this segment attempt to connect the dots of major conspiracies that actually have some validity to them. And we use the current rumors and research available in order to put the pieces of the puzzle together, so to speak. Now, let me say before starting that I am by no means an investigative journalist or researcher or whatnot. But at the end of the day, when you do enough research and you just apply even a little bit of logic, you'd be surprised what you can discover. And a lot of times, stuff that's, you know, hiding in plain sight is, turns out, of course, to, you know, be hiding right in front of you. So let's start digging into Ghislaine Maxwell's past before we talk about the present, um, which, by the way, it's, you know, today's episode's about Ghislaine Maxwell, if you couldn't tell. So I'm not going to get into the details about every little thing, but, uh, you know, of her past, but what we do know is that her father, Robert Maxwell, was supposedly an informant for the Mossad, which is essentially the Israeli uh, intelligence agency. He was also rumored to be an agent for both MI6 in the UK and the KGB, which is Russian intelligence. But according to my research, he mainly worked for the Mossad, providing information to them on whatever he could, uh, you know, when it came to nuclear technology and, you know, secret, you know, top secret government information and whatnot. Uh, and he achieved all of this, you know, by having his sources placed all over the UK and the world. And so he had these kind of contacts to do this. Now, here's where it gets interesting, because even though we, we surely couldn't figure out who had Mr. Maxwell killed, although I'm sure it, it would come down to a handful of people or groups, what we do know is that he died on his yacht under very shady circumstances, which only tells me at least that he pissed off someone, or it was, you know, within one of these agencies' best interests to have him killed for a number of reasons. But I imagine it has something to do with him being what we'd, uh, you know, being a triple agent, being an agent for each one of these, um, each one of these organizations. Now, his daughter, Ghislaine Maxwell, was very close to him, and they were reported to be almost inseparable, as, you know, some, you know, photographs and, and research in the past has proven to be true. And Based on what I'm going to tell you shortly, it only makes sense, okay, that Ghislaine had some type of insight into what her father had his fingers into. And I do believe he shared his connections with her to a fairly decent extent, and you'll see why. So other than serving in the Second World War for a handful of countries like uh, Britain and Czechoslovakia, uh, Mr. Maxwell got into the newspaper and printing business where it's essentially where he was able to build his network and contacts that could allow him to obtain high-level information, you know, on things that were happening around the, the UK and around the world. Now, if we look at it, no journalist in theory should really have access to, you know, high-level government information. But at the end of the day, if we honestly look at the reality of things, we'll find that media outlets do indeed have their sources. And, you know, if they play their cards right, they can certainly find out some heavy shit. Uh, that's, you know, that's a given kind of, especially nowadays. So the, the point of what I'm trying to connect here is that Ghislaine, based on my research, 
essentially used her father's connections after his death in order to continue what her father was doing. Now, whether that was for money or some type of advantage is very hard to tell. Probably money, honestly. But And as much as I hate to say it, I, I really do believe that there may certainly be a large piece of the puzzle that I'm missing here. Right? I'm not claiming to know everything. But... And there, I'm sure there's a lot of pieces, but what I do know is enough to put, you know, some hefty stuff together. So Ghislaine, who then moved to New York essentially to, you know, start a new life, met Jeffrey Epstein. Now, how they met isn't exactly clear, but, you know, I'm sure it wasn't hard for them to come in contact with one another considering they were both in New York. And, you know, by then they both more than likely had mid to high level connections and whatnot. Now, if we use our brains and we look a little closer... The behaviors of both Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell most certainly was weird when it came to molesting underage girls, but when it came to business and being connected, there wasn't anything weird about it. So they used the system perfectly. They knew how to milk the system and use it to their benefit, particularly when they both accumulated more and more wealth and social connections and power. Now, it's essentially been proven that Ghislaine was, you know, Epstein's door into most of his top relationships and connections. And so Epstein knew that he needed Ghislaine or else he wouldn't have met as many powerful people as he did. Or at the very least, he would have had a much more difficult time meeting these kind of powerful people. And so let's just put the whole molesting you know, the whole molestation situation aside for a second, because if I were to be totally honest with you, I'm more than certain that that was a, a side hustle, if you want to call it. And I'm not saying that the girls, you know, they raped were not important. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that I really believe that what they were doing with underage girls was something that was more of a, a side pleasure than any, anything else. Now, at the same time, I do believe that this side hustle with the girls was connected with their main line of work, which seemed to be, you know, their main line of work seemed to be blackmailing and selling high-level secrets to the Israeli government. Now, why do I say this? Because you would probably think you're right now, wasn't Robert Maxwell the one that was a government agent for the Israelis, not Epstein? Well, this is the part where it gets interesting, because according to Steve Hoffenberg, who was Epstein's former partner back in the 80s when it came to running that huge Towers financial stock scam, Steve Hoffenberg repeatedly claimed over and over again in recent interviews, mind you, that Epstein used, used to brag to Hoffenberg about how he would control and manipulate people like, you know, Les Wexner, who Epstein also stole money from. And, you know, Les Wexner, by the way, is the CEO of companies like La Senza, Bath and Body Works, Victoria's Secret, Abercrombie and Fitch and all that. So not only did he manipulate people like Les Wexner, but he also told Hoffenberg that he was selling secrets of those high-level people to the Mossad, right, Israeli intelligence. Now, is it a coincidence that two, the only two men that Ghislaine Maxwell was you know, generally known to be associated with in her entire life, which was her father, and Jeffrey Epstein were both informants to Israeli intelligence. That's the fucked up thing. And now the question then becomes, you know, assuming that, you know, Ghislaine brought Epstein into this, right? Because she was also known as the connector for Jeffrey because, you know, Epstein was very uh, introverted and Ghislaine was more of an extrovert, right? And, you know, she was known as a socialite. And now the next question then becomes... 
where do the girls fall into all this? Well, I have a very interesting theory about that. And I think over time, as Ghislaine begins to testify and reveal more secrets in exchange for a lesser sentence, we'll find this to be more and more true. I th again, I, I think that based on my research, that when Ghislaine and Epstein couldn't get these you know, powerful people to admit secrets to them, they were recording them. And they would then, if you know, while they were recording them, if these people couldn't give up these secrets, they would then resort to more ruthless, uh, a more of a ruthless uh, but realistic approach, which was that they, Epstein and Ghislaine would slowly but surely exploit these powerful people by having them sleep with girls who were underage that looked to be the age of 20 or you know a little bit above that. But in reality, these girls were 16 or 17 or somewhere along those lines. And they were under, I think, honestly, I think they were underage on purpose in order for Epstein and Ghislaine to say, look, we, you know, to say to their target, we got you uh, not only cheating on your wife, because, you know, most of the people they knew were married, but we also have you sleeping with underage girls. And we have it in, you know, audio and video. Now, this theory that I just proposed would explain why Epstein and Ghislaine would have every single house, every single property every single fucking private jet that they owned loaded the fuck up with cameras. I mean, why else would they put hidden cameras all over the place? If we, like, look, if we even look at businessmen who only had met Epstein once or twice for business reasons years ago before the whole sexual assault thing, we will find that what these businessmen have said is that they claim to have spotted, in some cases, hidden cameras within Epstein's office walls and picture frames and, and, and stuff like that. And in some cases, it even appeared that some of these cameras were set in place to be noticed by some of these businessmen as a form of in, uh, intimidation saying, look, we got you. Now, I'm not sure that when it comes to blackmailing high-level politicians and celebrities and so forth, they wouldn't, I'm sure that, you know, Epstein wouldn't want, uh, you know, them to see any of these hidden, you know, micro cameras that were placed everywhere. But I think that when you let a businessman who's in a waiting room about to walk into a negotiation room with Jeffrey Epstein, when you let them know that they're being watched before, you know, or recorded before they even stepped into that negotiation, it could have been some form of attempt to kind of confuse them, lower their confidence or their morale by, you know, fucking with their minds before walking in to negotiate with him. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't rule anything out to tell you the truth. Now, if we take a step back and we look at these underage girls, we'll find that a lot of these older women who acted as recruiters for these underage, you know, to get these underage girls from, you know, high school and whatnot would say, would say to the, the underage girls, look, don't tell anyone you're really um, 16. And if they ask, just say, you know, you're 20 or 21. And I think... This was a small but vital part of Ghislaine and Epstein's plan to convince the people that they wanted to blackmail these girls, you know, they wanted to uh, blackmail, to use the blackmail, right? And so I think that this was more than likely one branch of their scheme, so to speak, that they could have been selling to Israeli intelligence using audio and video to record powerful, uh, influential, you know, elite people having sex with underage girls in order to, you know, sell to the, the Israeli intelligence in exchange for, I guess, money and, and protection or safe haven in case they ever got caught. And I think, 
I think I might be I might have hit the nail on the head when it comes to this prediction. I mean, there has to be some kind of correlation between what all these witnesses and former associates of Ghislaine and Epstein have said. And I think it's more than likely that Ghislaine brought Epstein into this world because as it's been said many times before, like I said earlier, Ghislaine was Jeffrey Epstein's connector, so to speak. Epstein was the brains but he didn't have the connections. Ghislaine provided those connections, and Ghislaine needed Epstein's sort of mentality in order for this to work. So it was like two pieces of the pie put together that truly needed one another in order for this you know, operation to work. And not only that, but every time Epstein got in trouble with the law, except for last year, of course, he simply used all of his connections to get out of it. And if the law did not work in his favor, it was very clear that we now know he had an escape plan ready, as has been confirmed when, you know, the FBI raided his home last year when they found a, a safe that contained a, a fuckload of different passports, a contact book filled with powerful people. Um, I think it was there was a bunch of tapes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, cash and gold bars. And I'm more than certain that Epstein had accounts, you know, bank accounts overseas without, without a doubt. He, I mean, he was also rumored to have, have planned to have struck a deal with the Saudi government in which he could escape to a property that he supposedly owned there uh, with the U.S. not being able to touch him. So, I mean, as of the time I'm recording this, Ghislaine Maxwell has been arrested, but there's been no information provided as to whether or not she's admitted to anything or offered any information in exchange for a lesser sentence. Now, what we do know is that she's being moved from jail cell to jail cell so that she doesn't get killed. Now, I'm sure that we have not even scratched the surface here, and depending on how damning any new evidence might be, I might do a follow-up episode, but as of the day I'm recording this, July 13th, 2020, this is the best I could do while searching pretty much all corners of the internet. And I have to say, honestly, it's very interesting that Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein still are this, these kind of, even though Epstein is dead and this whole, their whole, you know, kind of hustle is over, so to speak, it's interesting that in the year 2020, there's still, how do I call it? They're still figures of mystery. A lot of the shit they've done is still very mysterious. In, in a day and age where things come to light very easily, it's very interesting that they've still been able to kind of, you know, hide stuff and all that. And although some of you listening might say, you know, hey, you know, Dave, you missed a bunch of stuff. To that I say this, look, the point of this connecting the dots segment is that I attempt to connect the stuff that actually matters. And I, I ignore the smaller details that have already been covered because there's probably others out there that can cover it better than I could. But I am by no means attempting to be some kind of reporter or investigative journalist, as I have said earlier. But when shit doesn't add up, and nobody out there in the press or the media tends to put these pieces together, I decide to take action and do it on here. So let me know in the comments what you guys think about this whole thing with Ghislaine Maxwell. Let me know if you think I'm on the money or if you think I'm completely off with regards to this whole thing. I'm just trying to be realistic and trying to put myself in the mindset of how they would think. Put myself honestly in the mindset of a narcissist or a sociopath that's doing anything uh, with, with, an ups, uh, with an upside down moral compass that's doing anything necessary to make money and provide safe haven for themselves and that's the way that I'm trying to think 
in this uh, connecting the dots segment. So let me know what you guys think and we'll uh, catch you next time. Thank you.